to the Lord and hear these songs and think, boy, if that person so far away from God would get right with God. But aren't you glad even when we drift a little bit and we move, he runs to us. And we, we all are in that song tonight and we've all moved away from where we ought to be. I'm glad God doesn't say, if you go, don't ever come back. I'm glad he not only wants us to come back, but he meets us on the way back. And we thank the Lord for it. Thank you for the message and song tonight. Esther chapter 9, if you would, the ninth chapter in the book of Esther. And we are so thrilled with God helping us as we move through his word. So relevant, so applicable. And only God, only God, only God could write a book so long ago that sounds like it was written today. Only God could know way back when about your business, right? And be talking to you. And there's no way to read the Bible and not know it after reading it for some length of time that, that God wrote it. There, there are always critics and scoffers and, and doubters and haters. And they try to convince us that man wrote the Bible. And there are all kinds of studies to do on this subject and all kinds of data and research and textual criticism and how everything was translated and where the scrolls came from and the errors and the ones that we don't trust and don't use and how we got from the Greek and from the Hebrew to the English and all of the rigor that was put into making sure that the word was translated correctly, things that were thrown out that did not give inspiration, proof, all, all kinds of details, minutiae you get lost in. To, to really understanding the study of the Word of God. And in college and in seminary, you have to learn all those things to defend the truth, to be practical about it. If you really want to know God wrote the Bible, just start at Genesis 1 and read through Revelation 22. Somewhere in between the, with the first in Genesis and the last Revelation, a light bulb is going to come on on your mind, and you're going to figure out, ain't nobody right this but God. It's just you're, you're reading your Bible, and somewhere along the time, the Bible starts reading you. Amen. And thankful that we're in a church where the Bible is our only rule of faith and practice. And I hope that's the rule in our homes too. Amen. That the Bible is ruling and reigning. Veto power in our lives. Making the decisions that you and I don't know how to make. And we thank the Lord for it. All God's children said for the Bible tonight. The ninth chapter of Esther. And let's look at verse 23 and read. Until I feel like we should stop. All right. Exodus chapter 9, verse number 23, and we'll get some sort of seemingly right division to end at tonight. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun. There's a message there. I mean, I just noticed it. But I wonder, I wonder how much better the world would be if Christians would do what they began. And I wonder how many believers in the building tonight have quit something you started doing. And my question to you to be, would be tonight this. If it was right when you started it, what makes you think you should have stopped? And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun and as Mordecai had written unto them. Because, everybody say because, Haman the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them and had cast, say it, 
per. That is, the lot to consume them and to destroy them. It's an interesting verse, verse 24. They continue to do what they, were, what they started to do because of what Haman did. It's an interesting reason to be doing it because of what Haman did. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised against the Jews, should return upon what? Turn upon what? His own head. Be careful when you mess with the people of God. What you devise for somebody else might come back on your own head. And that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Act a fool if you want to. You're going to mess it up for you and your kids. Wherefore, wherefore, everybody say wherefore. wherefore. They called these days Purim after the name Pur. Everybody see that? Purim after the name Pur. Therefore, everybody say therefore. For all the words of this letter and of that which they had seen concerning this matter and which had come unto them, the Jews did what? Ordained, all of it. Took upon them, upon what? Their seed. And upon who? All such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time. How often? And that these days should be what? Remembered and what? Kept. Everybody say remembered and kept. Amen. There, listen, there are some things that need to be forgotten and discarded. But the other things need to be remembered and kept. Anybody in agreement with me tonight? Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing. Cleanse me, empty me, fill me in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Established Purim. It was a dated celebration that they established. And the date that they established of this feast was based on the date of deliverance. And the celebration marked the conquest. And I have said to you the last several weeks, I'll repeat it again. You're going to have to have some conquest in your Christian life if you're going to establish some celebrations. Uh, you, you can't celebrate victory if you ain't never had it. And by the way, if you're saved tonight, we know at least you got one victory to celebrate, and that's the day you accepted Christ as your Savior. <laughs> and that was a conquest. It's a conquest that Jesus had and that you and I got in on. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered the grave. And when I got saved, I got in on the victory. That's why we sing the song, There is a Victory in Jesus. And by the way, when it comes to the soul-saving business, the redemption of mankind, when it comes to the washing away of sins, when it comes to the deliverance from hell, when it comes from the passing of death to life, when it comes to the entrance into heaven, when it comes to the deposit of the Holy Ghost, when it comes to peace with God, when it comes to being justified and sanctified, when it comes to being adopted into the family of God, victory in Jesus is not only a way to have victory, it is the only way to have victory. You can't get victory unless you get it in Jesus. And so the celebration as a child of God is due the conquest of God. And so it should not be on surprise in the book of Esther that they are marking the day of celebration to mirror the day when God delivered them. And so for one group, the Jews in the unwalled cities, 
They set it for the 14th because they fought and rested on the 14th. And the Jews in Shushan set it for the 15th because they fought on the 13th and the 14th and rested on the 15th. So we understand that their date was based on their deliverance. One group fought for one day, so the next day was their rest day. Another group fought for two days, so after two days, their rest day. They had different days because they had different victory day. By the way, we don't all celebrate our birthdays on the same day because we weren't all born on the same day. Watch this now. So you don't all celebrate your spiritual victories on the same day day because we didn't have them on the same day. And I'm glad that God, who's a big God who rules the whole world, is also a personal God and that you and I can all be winning together in Christ and winning separately in Christ because he's not just the father of the whole world, he's the father of every child. So I hope you got some victories this week and I hope that you're marking your celebrations accordingly. So the dated celebration, the determined communication, Mordecai is writing letters to make sure he communicates this celebration to everybody. Look at verse number 20. There it is. He sent letters unto all, unto all, all the Jews in all the provinces, nigh and far, to establish them that they should keep the 14th day of the month of Adar and the 15th. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. You know you won. You know you rested. So I'm telling you, we're writing it down and keep the celebration. And I told you last week, you got to set yourself up to make sure that you have the tools in place to not forget what God's done in your life. Listen to me. There's a whole lot of stuff that gets written down that's no good. There's a whole lot of stuff that gets marked up that's no good. There's a whole lot of records that people keep and they're records about bad stuff that, listen to me, the world is wired to remember all your failures and not to acknowledge all of your good character. I'm glad that we serve a God who gives us victory and he says, listen, to me. If they keep talking about everything you did wrong, somebody needs to keep talking about everything God does right. And so he says we're determined in this communication and this determined communication was based on a delightful commemoration. Here we are last week, 21, to establish among them that they should keep the 14th day and the 15th day of the same yearly. Verse 22, and all as the days wherein the Jews rested. Here's the commemoration. What are we celebrating and what are we remembering? Here it is, 22. We're remembering that we rested from our enemies. We're remembering when we were turned from sorrow to joy, from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. Listen, we ain't just clicking our heels, eating a bunch of food just because. We're not just partying because we have nothing to do. We're not just celebrating and eating food because we're hungry. We are commemorating something. We're commemorating the days when God turned our sorrow to joy, our mourning into a good day to make us days of feasting and joy. Listen, hang around Jesus long enough. You're going to be marking more and more times when he turns mourning into joy, sorrow into gladness, rain into sunshine. I wonder if I've got one or two or about 25 witnesses in the house tonight who have been in on them days where God turned it from mourning to joy. Can I get a witness? Now listen, if he's done it, my question, Listen, I don't have to spend much time having you convince me whether God's been good. Listen, that's not the holdup in the church tonight. It's not that God isn't doing good. It's that we're not celebrating his goodness. And listen to me, if you don't celebrate his goodness, you're going to be stuck on other things because you don't stick yourself on the things of God. Listen, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now listen to me, God's going to be God and he doesn't need your help, but he's not going to make you remember him. It's up to you to remember him and he's given you enough good to remember. 
And so, so, so we, we have a problem directing our minds. Look at Scripture over and over again. It's so clear. Set your affections on things which are above. Colossians chapter 3. Seek those things which are above. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you. Isaiah 26, whose mind is stayed on thee. Philippians chapter 4. Finally, brethren, think on these things. Look at Romans chapter 12. Be renewed in your mind. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. God has been good. God has been faithful. God has been gracious. God has been favorable. Listen, he has healed folks of sickness. He has delivered folks from sin. He has saved loved ones. He has turned things around. He's brought singles together with their spouse. He's taken people and opened their womb when they could not have children. He's divinely appointed relationships together. He's approved loans. He's moved people another way. He's given us safety up and down the road. He's got us up out of the hospital bed, spared us from COVID. Listen to me. God is doing fine being God, but he's not going to make your mind remember him when you can do that on your own and Mordecai is ushering the people into a process to aid them in remembrance here's what Mordecai acknowledged that you and I need to acknowledge we don't remember stuff unless we make sure we do some of y'all not listen listen we don't remember it unless we make sure we do I don't care how good of a memory you have. I don't care how vivid you are. I don't care how you, I don't need to write it down. I'll remember it. Listen to me. You are going to eat that phrase eventually. And, 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 and so I have, I have embraced the imperative of living off of a calendar. And so my whole life is on this calendar. I mean, from, from, from tonight to 2026, there are dates you know, just that far in the future of living off of a calendar. And, and, and listen, it put it down. Listen, when you forget to put something down and you mess up, it will make you remember to put it on the calendar next time. I have had times when the preacher said, hey, when are you going to get here next week for our meeting? And I said, well, what meeting next week? What? I ain't going to be there. He said, remember I talked to you one time. You were riding in the car and you told me you would come to the meeting. I said, no. <laughs> you know, and listen, and you find out you're scheduled to be two places on the same day and you can't be at both because your name ain't Jesus. And what happened is you put one down and you didn't put the other one down. I remember one day I was, I was getting ready to gear up to a meeting. Preacher said, we're looking forward to it. And I looked down and said, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, except I just realized it's my anniversary. So we spent our anniversary in the house of God. <laughs> you do that once. I tell you what, the Holy Ghost and your wife will make sure you don't do it again. Listen to me. Listen, listen. So, so long time ago, I took all my, my children's birthdays and I took all the important days and I took my wife's days and I took my days and I put them all on the calendar and I sync them with her phone and all of my dates and all the places I'm going to be and all of my appointments and everywhere I'm supposed to be and, and the haircut and the counseling session and who I'm supposed to meet with and who I'm supposed to call and who I'm, why, why, why? because they're all important but just because they're important in theory
memory doesn't mean I'm going to remember them. We're human beings and we're prone to forget. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, we forget birthdays, we forget anniversaries, we forget to pick up the kids, we forget to take them home, we, we leave here and leave people that we brought with us. Listen to me, I don't know what Bible some folks are reading, they leave the Bible here, it's been here for, for three years. I guess they're reading it on their phone. Listen, listen, I'm just telling you, we forget stuff all the time. We forget that we forget our phones and we bring them, we forget to turn them off, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we do all of those things. And ladies, just the, the unfortunate thing is that we, we say oops about a lot of stuff, but unfortunately, God has been good, God has been faithful, and we have mistaken to remember him because we have not put it down. And some of you are not the testifying type. And, and you don't really like to speak about it all the time. And, and you're shy and you're nervous. I'm just telling you, testifying puts the blessings of God on the record. And if you don't want to do it up here, you better find somebody to testify to. You say, I get embarrassed. Well, testify to an inanimate object. At least it's coming out of your mouth. Remind yourself, I'm asking you, what tangible reminders have you put for yourself to remember God? Come on, teenagers, I'm talking to you. You want posters up on your wall. You, you want TikTok videos on the internet. You want screensavers on your phone to remind you of all of this stuff. Let's get some teenagers in here, put some Bible verses up on their wall. So when I get up in the morning, got crushed all in my eye, the first thing that I look at is, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Instead of some baller or some rapper. Huh? Come on, talk to me. And all the grown folk too. I, I got to sit at the computer all day long. You ever thought about putting a verse across it? Some, something to help me remember God. This is what Mordecai's saying. It's a, it's a delightful commemoration. Let me give you this tonight. I want to get to this. It's a distinct characterization. A determined communication. A delightful commemoration. A dated celebration. Now watch this now. A distinct characterization. I mean, not only did they remember what God did, but they gave it a name. Please listen. The name not only remembered what God did, but it also remembered what the enemies tried to do. Anybody listening? Sometimes you need names that not only bring up the blessings of God, but bring up the attacks of the enemy. Because when you bring them both at the same time, you're reminded in the same memory, guess what? They tried, they failed, God tried, he won. So let's look at our text here just a moment and we'll close. Verse 25. Verse 23 says, they undertook as they had begun as Mordecai had written unto them. Now look at 24. Because, everybody say because. This, this is why we did this. Because Haman, the son of Hamath. The Agagite, <clears throat> the enemy of all the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them, and it cast per. Now, gentlemen, can we go back to chapter 3, if you could, and give us verses 7 through 15 of chapter 3, and let's, let's remind the people of chapter 3, verse number 7, of this plan that Haman devised and what he called it. Chapter 3, verse number 7, in the first month, that is in the month Nisan, in the 12th year of King Ahasuerus, they cast what? Per. Okay? 
That is the lot. Okay, if you're taking notes tonight, per means the lot. Purim is plural of lot. Okay, Purim is lots. Per is, is the lot. Now they cast lots. Now, some of you look at this and, 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 and go, you know, what was Haman casting lots for? He was, he was casting a lot to see when the Jews would be destroyed. Okay? Now, the casting of lots was similar to the flipping of a coin, to the rolling of dice, or the pulling of straws. And so it was given to chance. You just, Haman said, we're going to kill them, so let's cast a lot to decide the date of their demise. It's pretty insensitive, isn't it? This is what he did. And this is what Haman did all the way down to 15. That's described. Mark that in your notes. Proverbs 16.33. Put this in your notes. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing is of the Lord. So the Bible tells us the casting of lots would, would occur several times in Scripture. In Joshua chapters 14 through 21, they cast lots several times to determine the land that the people would have. Several times in the book of Numbers, Numbers 26, Numbers 33, Numbers 34, Numbers 36, God allowed Israelites to cast lots to determine his will for a situation. Various offices and functions in the temple were determined by lot, according to 1 Corinthians 24. Here's a familiar one. They, they cast lots in the book of Jonah to see who was the cause of the storm. When Judas betrayed Jesus and the disciples went from 12 to 11, Acts, the beginning of Acts, they cast lots to see who the next choice to replace Judas as an apostle would be. Roman soldiers cast lots over Jesus' garments. Now, Proverbs 16 tells us the, the lot was cast into the lap, but the disposing was of the Lord. This was a practice that God allowed. Men would do it, but somehow in men's attempt at a human process, God determined the outcome. So I want you to understand this was a practice that God allowed. And although it doesn't make sense to pull, it seems to be chance. But Proverbs tells us it actually didn't end, end up being chance. It ended up being God's choice. And if God didn't want them to do it, he wouldn't have allowed it. So there were lots that were being cast. And when they cast the lot, somehow God got involved. We don't know what he did. Did he light up stuff? Did he show stuff? Did he make? But clearly Proverbs 16 said, even though men were casting it to chance, God made sure that the outcome came out the right way it should be. Aren't you glad that even when men do stuff crazy, God knows how to fix it up. Now listen, here's Haman casting a lot. Here's the interesting thing, and I'm almost done. He cast a lot over which month to kill him, and amazingly, the lot came up on the 12th month. So isn't it like God? Haman wanted to kill him, and Haman used lots to decide when to kill him, but God made sure that even Haman's plan to kill him ended up at the very last month of the year, and that gave Esther and Mordecai and all the Jews time to get the plan together to get God in but aren't you glad that the stuff behind the scenes that people that think they're in control are doing about your life and playing with your livelihood and you're stressing out because this boss, this supervisor, this person is making the decision that could mess up your own whole future. This banker is deciding whether you get a loan, that this doctor is controlling your surgery and you get nervous because men seem to be in control. Listen, men are just the puppets on the stage. Listen to me, God's got the strings. You've got to understand that. So the lot falls on purpose. By the way, 
all of this stuff that God allowed in the Bible. The New Testament doesn't advocate any of it because nowadays we don't need to flip no coins, pull no straws, watch this now, or roll no dice because we don't need chance. We got the Bible. We got the Holy Ghost and we got prayer. So the process is never advocated again in the New Testament. It certainly was allowed in the old. But I just want to establish this, that there's a distinct characterization for this name. The Jews says, we're going we're gonna to establish a feast. And you know what we're going to give it? We're going to give it the same name, but plural. The name of the lot that he cast to kill us is going to be the name of the feast that we have to celebrate that God delivered us. And I'm just telling you, it might be good that you get some good names for your celebrations. And that the names somehow cause you not just to remember what God did successfully, but that the names would also remind you of what the devil failed at miserably. (laughs) And we're going to have to gather some human aids to help us have some heavenly aspirations. And we have been guilty, unfortunately, of letting the memory of God's deliverance fade. Could I give you this for just a thought? I know there's, there's a lot of sanctified talk that says you, you speak it into existence Speak it into existence. Now listen, you can't speak nothing into existence, all right? If it's so, Paul would have spoke the thorn in the flesh out of existence. If anybody had power, Paul should have. But I will tell you this. There is definitely a distinct correlation between what you repeating, keep repeating and what you keep remembering. And there are a lot of Christians that are so negative in their mind all the time because they're so negative with their mouth all the time. And I'm just letting you know, every one of us has to have an MO for our lives and certain criteria to determine with whom we spend quality time. I have just made up my mind. Negative mouthed people are not people that I intend to spend a lot of time with. Because negativity is more rapidly contagious. And here's what Mordecai's saying. I know y'all. I know me. I know the flesh. We better write it down. Celebrate it every year. And we better give it a name that makes sure we not only remember what God did, but we remember what Haman did tried to do to look here you know good and well there were a bunch of times the devil tried to destroy you ruin you kill you discourage you knock you down and there were times you and he were in agreement but God make sure your celebrations acknowledge God's goodness 
and the devil's foolishness. And that's why the book of the Revelation not only shows us in a new heaven and a new earth, but it also shows him cast in the lake of fire forever because both of them is good news for you and me. Father, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us a book that reminds us not only of our victories, but Lord, of our attempted destruction. Now help us to do a better job. Thank you, God, that you remember us in our time of need. Forgive us for forgetting you. Roll back the memories. Roll back the curtain of memories now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human. And humans forget. So remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. And Lord, help me to remind myself. Help us, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name.